0: Hello and (laughs) (laughs) Goblet... What? Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. We've been drinking since two o'clock and it's currently eleven. What's your name? Charles. And I'm Hannah and we're two twenty-somethings re-reading our favourite childhood book, but this time with added alcohol and cynicism. In today's episode, we are reading chapters five and six of Goblet of Fire. Correct name. We discuss things that i cannot remember at this moment in time but it's funny i know it's funny yeah you should listen yeah and you should drink cocktails because yes. we drink cocktail. yes make mm-hmm. the strongest cocktail you can drink it with us yeah mm-hmm. mm-hmm. do that yeah do that, do that. Yep. uh drunken cynicism that stuff that's our brand that that is what we do uh enjoy enjoy Hello! Hello! It's us, your least favourite drunken Harry Potter British podcast with two girls in their mid-twenties who... This is really good, carry on. Yep. Here we are talking about Goblet of Fire. Fire. This episode we've had a lot to drink before we started recording. We went to the pub and then recorded two episodes of Podcast Pre-Drinks, Pre-Drinking with Podcast. Hannah doesn't remember the name of the series. Podcast Podcast Pre-Drinks. It's on on Patreon. It's on Patreon. If you want to listen to that. Speaking of Patreon, we have a lot to go through. We'd ungoofed and haven't read this in a while. We, we don't know how that happened. Um, so we promised whenever anyone became a patron that we would read you out in the next recorded episode and um, somehow we haven't done that since October. So now we're going to do a lot and we're going to do them as quickly as possible. But also spend time saying thank you to the wonderful, wonderful yes. people. We'll read the names because and then we'll talk about we them. we love you all. You are incredible. You make all of the difference. We will hopefully have lots of exciting announcements soon. And we already have some exciting announcements coming up. But here yep. are some people who in the last three, four months have t- helped our <laughs> eight. They're <laughs> wonderful the people. <laughs> are you ready? Yep. So new patrons who are amazing. We have Reese, Isabel, Chloe, Karina, Heather. Ryland, Alice, Dan, Elza, Treverina. Sorry, I, I'm going to butcher that. Tra- Hannah, any ideas? Trey. Trey. If you if you let us know, we will correct that Tra- in a future episode. Erin, Juju, Matt, Samantha, Evelyn, Anna, Megan. Oh, uh, why do I get the hard ones? <laughs> Edith. Yeah. And Mary Gray. Fiona, Ashton, Trey, Brittany, Tilda. Abby, Sam, Marcus, Amber and Billy. Samara, Kirsty, Melissa, Charlie and Ginny. Great name. Thank you all. Thank you all so much. It literally means so much to us. Five people upgraded their pledges to producer level patrons in the last few months. So a huge thank you to Amanda, Danny, Mark, Nathan and Veronica who have all upgraded recently. And a huge, huge thank you to our new producers, Katie and Mutalib. Uh, I'm really sorry if that's not how you pronounce it. Just let me know. We will fix it. Basically, you're all amazing. And we
1: promise...
0: I say we promise to do things a lot. We will read people in an episode sooner, closer. I don't know what happened over Christmas. A lot of things happened. A, a, but, lot, a lot of things. But we got the, all confused. those new people are supporting our Patreon. And we have finally updated... Our pledges on Patreon. So mm-hmm. for a long time we were asking for new patrons. obviously everyone who signed up to our patreon recently they've been getting the rewards. that's the bonus episodes, the discord access. If you're a producer level patron, that's picking our alcohol. but we, what we have many more things and many more things. there's lots of other perks. But what we hadn't updated in a while was our goals. So our goals are if we either hit X amount of money or X amount of patrons, we do a certain number of things. So we finally updated them and I put out a tweet to hit 50 patrons and then we did that within about two, two hours. hours two hours we did that so, our so goal uh, thank you <laughs> thank you everyone knew so our goal when we hit 50 patrons was to do a patron exclusive live episode that mm-hmm. will be happening in the next few for months a live stream not live, live stri- episode yeah live stream not an episode a live stream just for our patrons that'll be happening in the next few months we'll obviously give people lots of notice and time and date so they can book Mm -hmm. it in with us anyone who signs up to become a patron before that happens will get access to that and then hopefully we'll be doing them quarterly however we now have three more goals to hit the next goal which is when we hit 60 patrons which we're only four patrons away from is merchandise merchandise people have been asking for this a lot we've already started planning it but when we hit 60 patrons it's time to start planning it for real so yeah. if we hit 60 yeah. patrons we I mean, will release we're, we're pretty much there but yeah we're pretty much there but you know we want to hit 60 patrons if we hit 75 patrons we will do what we've been hyping for a while a pub crawl in summer where we try to go to every single Weatherspoon's pub in zone one of London which maybe doesn't sound like a lot but Hannah how, how many is that it is um 20 yep yeah in 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 one day in one day and bear in mind that's not 24 hours that is 11 till 11 yes 12 hours exactly bear in mind these pubs are not all along one road they're spread out across a few miles yeah so you literally have to like down a pint and go and this will be something which we will make sure the content for is like we'll do a bonus episode of it and we'll try to film it yeah and post a proper video about it. We'll have special guests popping in and out. It's gonna be a really good time. We also are thinking about ways that this can be a charity fundraiser. Mm -hmm. We're discussing between each other, different charities that would suit this kind of thing. So if you want to have any input in what charities you think would be good for this, just let us know, DM us and we can talk about it. And if we hit a hundred patrons, we would like to, (laughs) this is not a definite because there's a lot of other factors, go to LeakyCon, yeah. There is a huge amount of factors in this. So we're trying to do this one. We're currently costing up, trying to make any way that it can work. It is not a guarantee, but we will do our very, very best. And getting to 100 patrons would help us achieve this goal so much. It would be very, very expensive for us to get there. And that's kind of like our like kind of end goal that end we're goal. working towards. Yep. But that's to say this goal is not a not a promise. It's just a... It's a good help. It's a stretch goal on Patreon. You know, that's what stretch goals are for. So that is what your money is going towards if you help us on Patreon. Patreon. Among lots of other things, like keeping this podcast running week to week, that is the big things we're focusing on. So thank you to all the patrons who have come in in the last three months, whose name we just read out. You are helping support us so much and it will be linked in the description of whatever player you're listening to if you'd like to join us on Patreon. Let's stop going on about Patreon. Yep. And, uh, shall we do the episode? Let's do the actual episode. So today, talk about Patreon one more time. It's a Patreon alcohol episode! is <laughs> I'm so excited so our new producer level patron Katie got to pick our alcohol for this episode what are we drinking Hannah we are drinking long Island iced tea Katie is a girl after my own heart so what it, what is in this so tell us tell us all about tea. it and how did you source this booze? a long Island iced tea is a cocktail it is a cocktail of vodka gin tequila triple sec and white rum all mixed with sugar syrup lemon juice and coke It is one of the strongest cocktails you can buy. I always buy it in a bar if they have the two-for-one deal because if I want to get drunk fast, it is the best monetary way to get drunk fast in a bar. And it also tastes good yeah but how how did you come across this this much alcohol, Hannah? Well, um we couldn't afford to buy five white spirits at once because that would have cost a hundred pounds. I already had gin and vodka and then I was around my lovely mother's house oh. who has all the ingredients for long iron dice tea because her and my dad love a long iron dice tea so um I just took at least a shotful of each one, poured it into yep. a kombucha bottle she had and brought it back to London. Cheers, Cheers. Mm, it's quite sweet this one. It's nice. Like it? Yeah. The thing with Long Island iced tea, which scares me, is that doesn't taste strong to me. No. And you saw how much alcohol I put in this. Yep. Are you scared? That is lethally strong. Yeah. It'll be fine. Should we talk about Harry Potter? Shit. Uh, why would we? (laughs) I don't know. Is that what we're here for? Apparently. Apparently. So, chapter five. Weasley's Weasley's wizard Wizard Wheezes. wheezes. (laughs) <laughs> weasels i <weasels. laughs> we already can't talk <laughs> it, you already it, you already want it <laughs> you're like oh ah. we have already had like four drinks before this to be fair yeah we have drunk some booze some alcohol. we have an indian on the way it's all fine it's all fine so everyone finds the twins joke on dudley hilarious my right. mate was that hermione wouldn't and she wasn't in the room yeah no, no hermione wouldn't Well, no, Mr. Weasley and Mrs. Weasley definitely don't. Yeah. But as they're all laughing, we get introduced to Bill and Charlie for the first time. I have thoughts. I have notes. I, I... So, (laughs) we (laughs) have... She's, like, doing a lot of arm gestures right now. We have, basically, for this one session, we've read four chapters. So, two episodes worth. And these chapters are so gay... (laughs) <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> These are some of the queerest chapters in the book. Who is queer, everyone? Everyone. It's like Harry, I mean it, Harry, obviously. Harry is gay for both Bill and Charlie. Yep. Percy is gay for, for Crouch <laughs> and Ron is gay for Crum. There was just a lot of homosexual feelings going on and I am here for. It. There was a lot going on, yes. So Harry immediately just, because it's J.K. Rowling writing Harry, it's just like all of the looks descriptions of yeah. Charlie and Bill. So, so first <laughs> off, Charlie, e.g. the best Weasley, e.g. my heart. Why do we think Bill is the hot one? I don't know. Charlie sounds great. He's like muscly, buff, mm-hmm. with loads of freckles because he's been outside yep. and burns on Literally his arms. He says, so he mentions his rough hands, says yep. that he's so freckly he almost looks tanned and has really muscular arms. Why does Harry find Bill hotter? What the fuck is happening here? I know. No, it's all about Charlie. Not you, this one. You're great too. You're lovely. Thank you. You look great, but I fancy this, Charlie. You're breaking my heart, but it's fine. Don't go breaking my heart. I need to keep an eye on... I wouldn't if I could? Is that the look? I wouldn't if I tried. I tried. That was so... He also talks about Bill and how he's tall and has a fanged earring. It is a fucking... Fanged earring? Fanged earring. It fanged is earring? a fucking travesty that Bill is straight. <gasps> what straight man wears a fanged earring might as well have said it was a hoop with a cross dangling from it all right boy george so my thing is that like (laughs) harry's like there was no other word for it bill was cool i'm like okay bill is cool by a old people's standards of what they think cool is or b i don't actually know what was cool in 1994 as Uh i was in the womb at this point Mm -hmm. um maybe long hair tied in a ponytail fanged earrings and leather boots were cool Were they cool in 1994? I don't think so. I feel like it's more, it literally is more of like an 80s Boy George kind of. Yeah, 1994 was more like, take that kind yeah. of like west like, like the spiked but, like, hair, all them, like, the men in friends looking... like you know all the like love interests of the girls where they're like oh he's so hot and then it's just like this weird mustached ma- man and you're just like <laughs> why no yeah um <laughs> i don't think I, the description of bill is not cool yeah <laughs> i literally wrote honestly the biggest plot hole in the entire of harry potter is bill being straight yeah yeah and, and he's it's not, not straight. just straight he like gets the hottest girl alive yeah. and it's just a whole thing that's happening maybe That happened because when she, like, read it back, she realised the queer subtext and she was like, nope, gotta eradicate that. Get rid of that. So, after we get those descriptions, Mrs. Weasley arrives in the kitchen and starts shouting at Fred, which is understandable. Hermione and Ginny also arrive, and Hermione, being the smart one, works out a way for them to worm themselves out of this situation. She's like, like, come and show you the bedroom. There was a brilliant moment when Mr. Weasley was like, don't make me tell (laughs) your mother. And then she's like, tell "Tell me me what." what. And he's like... Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> nothing, do you? And Harry's I, like, Harry knew that Mr. Weasley yep. never would have told Molly. <laughs> yeah, I love Mr. Weasley so much. I do too. So it turns out that Fred and George have been working on something called Weasley's Wizarding Wheezies. Um So it's basically, they've been inventing joke shop products Mm -hmm. and in the explanation of this we found out that mrs weasley has been really really angry about this and set against this because she wants the twins to go into the ministry and i feel like this is one of the first times in harry potter and this now continues for the rest of the four books where we get these really relatable teen storylines like Mm -hmm. to people growing up reading this that struggle when you're like 15 16 of you finally kind of realizing that what you want to do but your parents having this idea of what they want you to do and you're still a kid so you need to listen to what they one this battle between it because she wants them to go into a respectable risk-free job which earns them a fair wage you know they've grown up with not much money and she wants what is objectively best for them which is a low-risk ministry job where they'll be respected and earn a good wage Mm -hmm. they don't want that and they although smart want to apply that intelligence to something completely different and it's just Obviously, this gets more and more in depth in this book and the next book. But at this point, she's really not seeing like their unique potential. Mm. You know, in her eyes, they've just failed all their exams. They want to fuck about and they don't care about the fact she's worked really hard to raise them and they're not respecting that. And it's a really relatable storyline, I think, for 16 year olds everywhere of that struggle you feel when you're 16 against your parents' expectations. You know what I think really would have helped this situation? What? a musical number where they sung about their feelings, mm. potentially with basketballs. And I see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it could be something about getting their head in the game. Yeah, because they want to be a a singer. Mm. Like, yeah, yeah, no, no, I see that because there's like a pretty girl involved. Yeah, that's that's what's going on here. I see where you're going with that. I think that could be something actually. Maybe not a book. I think it would work better as a film actually. And maybe there should be like three or four of them. Oh okay, yeah, yeah, and I think we should. I think we should uh, brainstorm this. Yeah, later. we should. That, okay, great. That, right. that could be something. We'll put that on the back burner. <laughs> my my note that I had was that the twins are like fifteen or sixteen. Yeah, at the, this, like they've invented all of these like incredible, really complex things at fifteen, and yeah. it was just like I was barely a functioning human being at fifteen. No. Like I did nothing. <laughs> they they're so competent and intelligent and it completely goes under the radar and i think this is kind of like a really great depiction of how creative or vocational careers and you know like degrees are treated in society yeah if you want to do something specific and often quite times like relevant to industry you're kind of like looked down upon rather than if you wanted to do something more like traditional yeah and i think obviously mrs weasley ends up being really proud of them in two books time and i think but she only ends up being proud when the risks the huge risks they took pays off and i think that is the same for a lot of people who want to go into vocational creative things even though that shouldn't be a risk to me it's more of a risk to study english than it is to study business Mm. like english unless you go and become a teacher doesn't really relate to anything but it's still just the way our society is set up is Mm -hmm. that People are only proud of you when that risk has paid off. Whereas when you study like a general subject or you go into the ministry, it's like, oh, but they can do anything with that. Mm -hmm. So they're definitely going to be successful. Yeah. yeah. They walk past Percy's room and he shouts at them because he's working on a report. And as we've established last episode, it's a Sunday. During we had a whole argument about this, which means Percy is working on a report on a Sunday, which is not healthy. He is a fucking... Idiot. he's a work nerd and i know that obviously when you're in school you do work at the weekends and in the evenings and stuff like that but as you enter the workforce you realize that you really shouldn't work at the weekends because you're not being fucking paid to do that yeah and also like he he's doing that to get it done early but then later on his boss literally, literally doesn't, doesn't know, know the wrong his name, name. Yep. and this is the I just I, I love this it's love so accurate it's like it people is. will call, kill themselves working for a company that literally doesn't give a shit about them it's like no other things are more important yeah. and I say this as a very very ambitious person yeah. and someone that <laughs> are you are Slytherin? <laughs> how did you guess? <laughs> I don't know <laughs> and it's someone that's doing well in their career but like there is more please don't work on weekends Yeah, like Holy obviously fuck. there are situations where it has to happen and if you love your job and you're like I need to get this done because of X, Y, Z, then, you know, sometimes it's okay. But if you're just doing it to try to impress someone who doesn't even know your name and wouldn't care if you died and got replaced the next day by someone else, don't fucking do it. Yeah, literally. Yeah, there is more to life. Don't work on Sundays. As we've established, it's not a Monday, it's a Sunday. Mm -hmm. So Fred and George are crammed into Ron's room, we find out when we get there, because Bill and Charlie have taken theirs, which lends the question of where they all slept before Bill and charlie moved out very true um i assume what this meant is that percy had to share a room with someone because at the moment he has a room himself and ginny and ron shared a room basically until they went to school yeah which is potentially quite normal for siblings of different genders until they go to school you know at that age you start to separate them yeah but there aren't enough bedrooms in this house so clearly some other people were sharing that weren't before yeah which is sad I mean, yeah, it is sad, especially because, like, this is a house where Harry described, like, extra rooms being clearly added on by magic, and they still don't have enough rooms. It's just, like, Mr. Weezy works for the government. He should be able to look after his family, but also their family is huge. So they immediately head back downstairs. They were upstairs for, like, two seconds. Yeah, there's a lot of like just general like Weasley world building. Yeah, in this which chapter, I love. which uh, yeah, I love. Like it, just, the whole book so beautiful. And it's like the bit when um Bill and Charlie just like are having a fight, <laughs> the, the with, fight the with the tables. tables. I which love is it. Hilarious. It sounds like such fun. It sounds so good. But also, I wrote down that it's a really vivid description of magic, and it really counteracts what we've just read with the Dursley life. So you have Missus Weasley cooking, and you have really vivid descriptions of her like skinning the potatoes. Akioing the putts and pans, making the sauce out of her wand. And then immediately, Harry walks outside and sees Bill and Charlie making the tables fight. Mm -hmm. And it's like, magic is just used in these people's everyday lives for both, like, useful things and fun things. Whereas Harry's just been living in a place where none of that happens. And it's very in-your-face. And it's a good way to jump back into the wizarding world. Yep. Totally. So Percy and Mr. Weasley discuss Bertha Jorkin's Mm -hmm. disappearance, which is very key because... This is kind of our first time seeing it from the yes. other side. Like, we know she's missing, but now we kind of know that other people know she's missing. And also, like, actually, well, no, we know she's dead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we... know she's dead. And this is the first time that it's mentioned. But it, the, the narrator, Harry, doesn't say, oh, when he remembered Bertha Jorkins. It's very clear mm-hmm. he's forgotten her. And also, I think, as I said, like, most people will be reading this book with separate chapters, gaps yeah. in between, won't yeah. be remembering. So there's a good chance you might be like, oh, I recognize that name. And yeah. then not think about it. So we kind of had this slow build of Bertha Jorkins being dropped into the conversation. She's in Ludo Bagman's department. This is the first time we've heard of Ludo Bagman. Mm-hmm. And she's been missing over a month. And then the conversation moves on. And it's kind of like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. And you don't really have time to, to actually think about it. Yeah. I have a question. Okay, to pose it. Hannah, why don't wizards just stop going to Albania? Who else? What? Why Oral. is it? Charlie, I have a question. Where is Albania? I feel... Uh-huh. Like, uh huh, it's near Africa. <laughs> okay, no, Hannah, where, I'm Hannah, where is it? I'm no, gonna... Hannah, where is it? You have to bet as well. Near Russia. It's in the Balkans. I don't know where the Balkans are. Oh, are near we... Greece. Nick, oh. We were both so <laughs> I was the most correct. You it is no well actually no. Oh, oh come on. Like, it's as close to the continent of Africa as it is the country of Russia-ish. No, it's far closer also, to Africa. Okay, okay, but you guessed a whole continent and I at least guessed a country. You you guessed a continent-sized country. Albania's really big. Why does no one go there? apart Do we, from if we have albania size uh, size Al- albanian, <laughs>
1: albanian. albanian
0: located but yeah so like Quirrell. is anyone listening albanian yeah that, that's what i was trying to okay, articulate because i've been to like greece quite a few times i can't say i've been to it's really close to bulgaria actually and i've been to yeah. italy oh my god albania is really big <laughs> anyway, enough of the geography. We only talk about British geography on this podcast. No, but I'm pretty sure that this was where Quirrell went as well, wasn't it? It's like where yeah. we kind of know that Voldemort's been hanging out and Quirrell went there and, you know, that also, whole thing happened. Who who goes on holiday to our... Exactly. It's like, who's like, do you know where I'm going? Have you ever heard anyone in an office go, yeah, yeah, I'm going on a lovely holiday this year to Albania? Sorry to any Albanians listening, but I'm I, sure, I haven't heard anyone go to your I'm country. sure it's lovely. It's just not a big tourist attraction. I don't think it's a big tourist attraction. So who's but like, maybe oh, going like, on a lovely trip. Maybe wizards have like... Maybe it's like a wizarding place. Maybe it's like a historical, magical place. But then I'm sure it's not, because then why would Voldemort be there? Like, I thought he went to Albania because no one would go there. No, why did he go to Albania? Like, literally, like, bad things happen when wizards go to Albania, so just stop fucking going. Oh, but but no one knew that bad things had happened to Quirrell (sighs) until later in the fact. But yeah but now bertha's gone when she knew that yeah but everyone thinks bertha's an idiot so no one's that worried they think she's gone to australia i'm just saying you would think that bertha would like you know no she would she she wouldn't have gone i think okay 200 patron stretch goal we go to albania yes yes so they all stay up late chatting before they realize that they have to get up early in the morning and i'm like this just sounds so exciting like there's really just nice evenings, evenings and that you all, have yeah and the, like oh, i just love the idea of like all 12 of them or 11 of them sitting together, eating chicken and ham pie, which is, you know, my favourite meal, uh, with potatoes. And they're just like... Yeah. It, it just sounds... like It's wholesome as You know those moments in Harry Potter where you're like, not much plot is happening, but I would love to just insert myself yes. in... This is definitely one of those moments. Yeah. So they mentioned that a previous match last lasted for five days and Percy is like oh no i hope it doesn't like i dread to think of the state of my in tray, aka his email app her inbox and i'm just like this is so relatable oh my god the stress of going on holiday when you're like but how many emails the last holiday i went on was a i've never been on a two-week holiday whilst working i only ever a week holiday and the last one i went on i came back to 470 emails i think yeah, yeah i mean i took a two-week holiday Last year, but it was quite lucky that it was when I was literally three weeks into a new job. That helps. So it wasn't too bad. Yeah. I mean, um, it was still horrendous. But, but, but you spend like the last few days, the holiday being like, what's my inbox going to be like? Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. It is very relatable. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's chapter the end six. of the chapter. Chapter the six. The port key. The port key. Question Why didn't they side along up, right? Okay. So I was thinking about this. um A, because it would have to be a lot of back and forth because it's just. There's more young people than old, older people. And B, we find out that later that Amos and Cedric... Amos is like, oh, I can't wait for Cedric to pass his apparition test. We have to get this porky. And they've been up since two. So I actually think, because this is going back on my previous statement, the last episode we recorded, of like, why didn't he just sidelong along apparate? Sidelong apparition is frowned upon unless it's an emergency situation. Okay. I think by the way it's described and the fact that Amos doesn't do it with Cedric, it's yeah. kind of like, maybe it's more risky because you're more like to splinch yeah. your partner. So it's like in urgent situations. Only the really good people, perhaps, because like Dumbledore is a very powerful wizard. Exactly. And but- it's like, if you have to do it, you can do it. Mm. But we recommend not to and you're putting yourself at risk. Yeah. But at the same time, that's not in the text, so it is kind of a plot hole. It is kind of a plot yeah. hole. Yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing. So Harry is woken up by Mrs. Weasley, who is up despite the fact that she isn't going to the game, and it's like three thirty, four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I'm like, I know that she probably would have woken up anyway, because Mr. Weasley's getting up and everyone else in the house is getting up, but she's like cooking them breakfast. I'm like, fuck's sake, Mr. Weasley, you do something. Yeah. Get Big up! Time. So there's a huge discussion on apparition and splinching. I feel like a lot of this chapter is like, let's learn about these two modes of transport. Transport chats that will come into play later. later. I know. I feel like this happens with Harry Potter all the time. It's like, let's learn about this new method of transport, which definitely won't come up at the end of the But No, it won't come back up. It won't. It won't. Forget about the port geese. Forget about Not all important. of Not important. I really like the um, parallels that are really obviously drawn, though, between apparition and driving. So we yeah. find out that, like, you have to be, like, it, it's... Have a license kind You have of to have thing. a license. It happens around 17 because Percy's just done his test. So you know it happens around 17 18. You have to have a license to do it. And I think it's really relatable to readers, younger readers who are like, oh, I can't wait till I can drive because driving always symbolises freedom and being able to finally have your own agenda rather than constantly relying on lifts, especially when you live more out in the sticks. And mm-hmm. I assume it's the same in the wizarding world with apparition. You can finally go where you want to go and i like this real world yeah. parallel between the two things yeah uh, something i want to know listeners is out in the sticks a universal oh, yeah. expression because i say it and sometimes i say it to people and i'm like I don't know if this is a regional thing. I definitely say it. I've always said it yeah. out in the sticks. Out in the sticks meaning like in the countryside. Um, in side. the countryside yeah. with no trans, like no no transport links, mm-hmm. no cities, nothing like that. Yeah, but I just, I want to know if it's a if out if because you know how. You know, when you listen to American Harry Potter podcasts and they're always picking up on things in the books yeah. that they're like, oh, I don't know what that means. And we don't realise those kind of things. And I wonder if we say things that people are like, I don't know, I know what, what those that girls means. mean. Yeah, no, that's a good point, actually. Out in the sticks. Yeah, if if you guys, whenever we say something British that you don't know what we mean, Tell us. do let us know because I'm really interested because you don't always realise when you're saying it that it's not a thing that everyone knows. I find out a lot more at work because obviously I work in a very multicultural office. Like my boss is american most of the people around me are european you know emily who i work next to is french so i'm constantly saying things and they're like what what yeah or they'll say things and i'm like what 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 did you just say and it's really it it, it always is a topic of conversation do you know okay you know the things okay you're swimming and there's things in the sea that stop you going further than a certain place they recommend you don't go any further than that they're floating yeah what do you think americans call them how do you think Americans pronounce that word? Uh, I don't know. Buoy, buoy. Well, that's just wrong. It's a boy. Buoy, <laughs> buoy. <Bowie. Bowie. laughs> we once lost an entire fifteen minutes at work, cry laughing about the fact that two people in our office called it a buoy. Wow, Americans, you just just so wrong about so many things. Like, imagine me, like, oh no, the shark has crossed the buoy line. Bowie. <laughs> incredible no one would take you seriously but then the americans are like but boy is already a word why would you call it that it's got a u in it you wouldn't spell it like that i'm like but your way sounds stupid yeah it does i also i really love the regional ones where it's like even within england mm. you can say things that other people don't know what you're saying because it's so regional yeah i would love to know if that happens in other countries as well because yeah. it feels quite a british thing like we have like loads of them in suffolk like on the drag and on the her which are two they right, sound yeah, similar I they're different things I've told you before and I know but, but I'm um, saying that I didn't grow up with those yeah exactly and I love it and I just I, I would love to know I feel like America maybe does because states are like a properly divided thing yeah, but yeah. I would love to know if maybe like other European countries I would have love like regional slang yeah let us know let us know Actually, we're just a fact finding mission I do know some of that because I worked in an office with two French people and mm-hmm. they had two different ways of calling it a pan chocolat or something like that And they were like, oh no, that's a northern French thing, you're wrong. And they were like, no, no, yours is a southern French thing and that's wrong. And they really Mm. argued about it. So it definitely does exist. Yeah. We then learn about keys, And one important thing to note, which I'm not going to talk about now, but I'm going to make sure it's in all your brains now to come back to later. later. keys transport from one spot to another at a prearranged time. We won't. I'm putting a pin in it. But. There's a pin in it. We want to, but. We will move along. We're moving along. We will swallow the rain. There's a line. Remember the line. In six months, we'll come back to this line. Okay, moving on. (sighs) Um, Cedric and Amos Diggory are already on the hill, so we find out they live in a similar sort of area to Ron. They've walked really, really far. And Amos, who is Cedric Diggory's Mm -hmm. dad, Cedric Diggory we have met before in book three, turns out to be a bit of a dick when he meets harry he's like my my note was uh, uh." mr degree is an ass yeah he's just like that kind of man that you meet and he's like trying to be really friendly and he seems really friendly and then he's saying the most passive aggressive shit i also i had a note about him um i I didn't write down his exact job title but he works in the um department for the control of magical creatures basically um i think that was the line and um it just, it just struck me because he would know about the dragons. Good point. Yeah. And he would tell his son, definitely. Yeah. He's that kind of man. Yeah. Interesting. And yet, that's the one, isn't it, where Harry has, has to, to tell him. him. And that's a key plot point. Blew that shit right open, didn't I? Interesting. It, also, there's a lot of um, chat in these chapters about various things at the ministry this is kind of like our first and maybe the biggest in the entire books like insight into the ministry Mm. minus aside from obviously when they break in but it kind of occurred to me that mr weasley has one of the most important jobs at the weasley at the the weasleys at the at the government because his job affects everything like he he says several different lines about his department having to get involved in other departments things Mm. like having, you know, obviously to be involved in the in the World Cup because there's muggles involved. And, mm. you know, when different kind of like disasters and incidents happen and he always has to get involved. And when you think about it, most departments in the ministry will have to call on his department because the muggles are affected. Yeah, his isn't general muggles. It's specifically muggle artefacts. Mm-hmm. But I feel like by what Mr. Weasley says, because he's an affable person who knows a lot about muggles, a lot of other departments call on him because he's very good at what he does so he gets involved with more general muggle things rather than just artifacts like that's a lot that's so many things like muggle artifacts that will be the majority of muggle incidents and i just think it shows like how massively underpaid he is and i mean it's always inconsistent how poor they are and you know part of that can be down to how many kids they have that is spread quite thin yeah but they're so dramatically poor given that he's a department head. head i mean it's At a it's a government. two person department but yeah but still and the fact that his department is called on by every other department constantly. I think what it shows though is how the attitudes towards anything to do with muggles in the government, they are yeah. so derisive of and they think it's like, you know Percy says in book it's three that muggle studies is the doff subject yeah. and that people who, and Percy says that in later books that his dad's job has always been a source of embarrassment even yeah. though it's an essential task and so much of the Ministry of Magic's job is just keeping mm-hmm. the Secret from the muggles. Because muggles are seen as a lower class, yep. Mr. Weasley's job, where he cares for muggles, mm-hmm. is seen as like, it's just like a silly little job. Yeah. yeah. It just shows like the derision Miggle, m- Mig- <laughs> Miggles, <laughs> Miggles. <laughs> wizards have for muggles, mm-hmm. also known as Miggles. Yeah, yeah. So Cedric actually tries to correct his dad. This is where we learn that Cedric is, like, a decent... We already know he's a decent dude. Like, he tried to call off the game in Book 3 when Harry fell off his broom, mm-hmm. and Harry's like, we actually won fair and square. There was no need for him to do that. And now Can Cedric... Can we... <sighs> You're saying he's a good dude, and he is a good dude, but... He is he's- a good dude. He's a good lad. What? And- <laughs> It just makes me think of hold, and then I get really Stop angry. Thinking. No. Stop I know it. it's not canon. It's not canon. Leave it alone. But he's a really nice guy. Why cursed why makes me angry because you're just like Cedric would no. never do that. No. No. Exactly. Cedric corrects his own dad who is trying to show off about him yeah. by saying like dad, Harry fell off his broom. Like, it wasn't his fault. Like, I won by yeah. default, but essentially. Also, you're, like, phrasing, dude. He didn't fall, fall off, his off his broom because he was, he was flying badly. Yeah. That, that was all my notes on, on that. Well, then they touch the boot and it hooks them away and it has, like, a horrible feeling. This porky feeling, like, yeah. hooked behind your belly button, like, makes me feel a bit sick. Everyone falls over but Mr. Weasley, Amos and Cedric and... I love the bit in the film where they're, like, like <laughs> walking through the sky. <laughs> like, it's such a dick move. Like, tell them how to do that yeah. don't let them fall over um, it's so melodramatic as well i know i know um but here's a little significant thing i noticed which is kind of a tiny thing but i only really thought about it on this read harry's first porky experience is with cedric and then i'll see oh, yeah. that links to the end of the book like the first time harry ever experiences a porky is with cedric and the next time he experiences a porky is again with cedric mm-hmm. It like link. it's this thing that ties them together because there's no plot reason for Cedric yeah. and Amos to be in this chapter apart from for us to get to know them so that mm-hmm. it comes back up later. Yeah. But it's a nice way of linking them with this transportation object. So mm. that's nice. That's a very good point. That's the end of these chapters. That is. I really, really liked these. I did. These were good. It, the thing is, there's such a difference between this book and the previous three we've read. Like The plot that's happened in the last three chapters would have been put into one chapter in the previous books, but the description is so beautiful, and the conversations are so much more detailed. Mm -hmm. Like there was this description of like the sun rising, and it was so much more in depth than in earlier books. And there's just so much time, more time taken on the words in this book. Yeah, and I love these chapters because they're getting ready to launch us into some of my favorite chapters of the entire series. I'm so excited for the next episode. Oh, okay. I, I don't even have a lot of notes that aren't just me gushing about loving it. I just love, 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 love. And I just, for some of these, these are the chapters that get me the most excited because it just, it's relatable. Mm. And we, and just exciting. And I'm, I'm literally just gibberish and I'm trying to stop myself because I'm just going to go into stuff I want to say in the next episode. <laughs> so I'm going to shut the fuck up. Yeah, I just really enjoy I... I always felt like as a kid, this is my favourite book, and I always felt like it was because I want as much Harry Potter as I can get, and anything extra, it's good. Like, just random chapters of them chatting is good. But it is plot building. Bertha Jolkins Mm -hmm. has been dropped in. We've learnt about Portkeys. But rather than the 1st few e-books where we're learning about all that, whilst a lot of other stuff is happening, it's spread out. Mm -hmm. There's more time to breathe, and I just just want to drop my these is this is the book where i just want to drop myself in to what is happening and experience it so big time i love it we uh have a question oh my god we do yes let me okay so as you guys know as well as one of the reward tiers on patreon the ten dollar tier is you get to ask us a question at the end of the episode so katie who is our new produce level patron as well as choosing our alcohol obviously got to unlock the ten dollar tier as well so she got to ask us a question Mm -hmm. charlie what's the question so the question is what are our top five favorite places in london Uh, in brackets places to literally anything eat drink hang walk about whatever love 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 such a good question love this question so to start my first one is a little bit touristy and basic bitch but i love south bank so south bank Is by Waterloo, which is as long as I've lived in London and slightly outside of London in university, is uh, my main train would come into Waterloo Mm. Um, and South Bank. You literally walk towards the river, and it's just all down the river, and there is a book market Mm -hmm. there at the weekends. There's always battered copies of Harry Potter in that book market, always. And there's like a food market as well, and it's just it's quite touristy. That's where the London Eye is. Um, It's always like bustling with people, and it's just like beautiful along the river it's a really really nice walk and kind of always to me i know that if i go to waterloo that's my way home so if i'm ever in central london i always kind of look and i'm like can i walk to waterloo and Mm. even if it's like an hour i'll normally walk and then it's literally i know that i just have to find the river and then i can just walk and then you always get to south bank and then can do the full walk along south bank and I always know that's how I'm getting home. So I'll do a walking one as well. I'll kind of mirror what you're doing. So one of my favourite places to walk, I've only actually done the walk once. It's called the Parkland Walk. You'll like this. It's an old train line. (gasps) So um, it's this old train line that used to run... We need to do it together. Yes, when the weather warms up. Yes. It's this old train line that used to run between a couple of areas of London. It got demolished when all the tube and overground expansions, but it got commissioned to be a green section so to not have houses be put on it so it got left as a walk which is amazing because it's just this straight line for about two miles and it runs between two areas of london two great pubs i can recommend at either end so you can do a pub at either end of sorted. the Sorted, sorted and it's just a really lovely cross-section little walk of london so it's called the parkland walk and if you ever have like two hours to spare in your North London way, I'd really recommend as a different way of seeing a different side of London. So my next one is Frank's Cafe. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one which really sadly is only open in the summertime, but basically it's in Peckham. And in Peckham, there's like an old multi-story car park that's been converted. And on the top in summer, they open it up and it's a bar, but it's literally like your rough and ready bar, like plastic cups, cheap watered down beer yep. you essentially piss off the side of the building I mean you don't but there's like you wo- do. wooden shacks where you can see off the side of the building because they're badly constructed so you- yeah I'm pretty much convinced that they literally just chuck the piss off the side (laughs) of the building. disgusting. There's (laughs) a cinema underneath. (laughs) I'm really not selling this. I'm aware, but it's really rough and ready. It's got the best view over London though. But has this stunning view of the London skyline because it's down in South London. So it's it's not like when you go up the Shard and you're seeing the London skyline kind of too close to actually experience everything because it's in South London. You're seeing... You're literally seeing like the proper like silhouette of it and in the day it's stunning. In the night it's even more stunning and i literally love it and it's cheap booze and they've got like proper like sculpture art up there and it's really good fun yeah next on mine is this place called the faltering fullback also in kind of north london kind of area it's this pub that basically has built their beer garden to be like a kind of outdoor open tree house is the only way i can describe it so this cross section of their garden like the ground space is really small so instead of just shoving a few tables in there they built decking upwards so it's four levels upwards you kind of have to walk around all these plants and you're going up and up all these levels and there's seating hidden everywhere so you can fit like a hundred people in this garden wow. which normally you'd only fit four That's tables really cool. in take me there as well i will it's just really really cool place to go you can go in the night and it's all lit up nice. you can go in the day and it also has the kitchen is run by a thai lady so it's thai food and <sighs> It's a lot of mix. Like, it's just so great. I love Thai food. <laughs> yeah. So, so much. That's one of my favourite pubs. So, my next one is such a boring one, but we have to do it. Weatherspoons, particularly Cross Keys, Cross which is Keys. by Banks. Um, it's incredible. It's huge. It's this really, like, gorgeous old building. There's a giant kraken inside, and it's just like, Weatherspoons, if you're not from England, is a chain of really cheap unspectacular booze and food but it's cheap and this is just like the best one in central London in my opinion yeah it is the best one in central London I absolutely agree my next one is this bar called Freud's it's slap bang in the centre of London like right off Covent Garden like the kind of place where you wouldn't normally Londoners wouldn't go out to drink because it's mostly touristy but there's this little kind of underground bar you walk down some steps to get to it and it's all stone walled and not very decorated so it looks like a kind of speakeasy like it's not meant to be there but it's been around for years and it's the kind of bar in London where they don't actually measure your spirits they just kind of pour by eye They love they make great cocktails there's a great happy hour and it's just one of those places in central London that isn't like gimmicky or chainy you're just gonna get a good cocktail in there have a good time it's the kind of place where there's quite small tables so often you're sitting next to people like kind of strangers but that means you get chatting to people it's just it's just one of the best cocktail bars that's slap bang in the centre of London reasonably priced would recommend it so then my next one is actually a thai place Ooh. like you mentioned and i've taken you here i think thai Don't metro mind. Oh, yes. Yeah, so it's by Very Gooch nice. Street. Is that how you say it? Gooch Street, yeah. Um, so kind of by like Soho, Oxford Street. Mm-hmm. Really, really cheap, like for central London. Mm. And just like literally the most amazing Thai food. The staff are absolutely lovely. Really, really kind. The food comes out so, so quickly. And what I love about their menu is that rather than it being like a lot of Chinese or Thai places where it's like, okay, here is a massive menu and then your five vegetarian options. Pretty much every single dish comes with you get to pick your meat or your tofu. And it's like the breaded kind of tofu, which mm. is what I like. So you literally can pick what meat you have or if you want to- tofu instead. So it, it means that you're vegetarian or vegan, like, well, if you're vegetarian, the entire menu is suitable for you. Yeah. Which is amazing because I hate when something sounds really good but they don't have it as a vegetarian option. So this place is amazing and really, really cheap. It is and it's just good. My next place is Uh, area of London which everyone knows is Seven Dials. So Seven Dials is right off Covent Garden and it's this area where basically seven small roads converge and it's a tiny roundabout with a little dial in the middle, I can't really explain it any other way. And it's very much in the centre of London but just a lovely little place to see and if you've got, if you're kind of around that area and you want to just sit down for a minute, you can sit on the dials and just watch what's going on down the seven little roads. And it's just a really cute place. You've got Neil's Yard by it. You've got Covent Garden. I just like sitting there sometimes. So my last favourite place, and actually I kind of want to do six now that I've thought about <laughs> I could do ten easily. Yeah. Um. Maybe we'll do six. So my next one is actually, it had to be done by one of us, the Royal Vauxhall Tavern. Yay! So the Royal Vauxhall Tavern is an amazing, like, really famous, historic gay venue. Yeah. Why we love it is because every few mo- months they do a Gay Harry Potter pub quiz, yes, which with is, drag queens, yeah, and just we were just born for this. We were, um, we're so yeah, it's it's an incredible night. We're normally there. It um, always raises money for charity, which is yeah. like the best of both. It's, worlds it's honestly like the best night. So we really did have to give them a shout out. We really did, yeah. Support and, um, venues, guys. Yeah, the Royal Voxel Tavern is actually one of the oldest gay bars in London, and that is because it's south of the river where it was originally the only place where LGBTQ people could go. And the Royal Vox Tavern is so old, it was one of the only places where gay soldiers could go during the war where they wouldn't be attacked. So yeah. to meet up with other gay soldiers while they're on leave. So it's a really historic venue. It is at risk of being shut down. So just support your local venues, guys. One of my last places I'm actually changing from what was on my list is I had to bring up the best place to charity shopping. Me and Charlie at the moment are trying to be more sustainable in our shopping focuses because, you know, many reasons. Yeah. So we're doing pretty much six months of not buying anything new and kind of certain limitations like I ripped my jeans falling over, so I do need to kind of replace Obviously. my staple everyday jeans. Obviously, things like yes. underwear, bikinis, uh, everyday Vests, like black boots, socks, yeah, yeah things like, like that. But anything. <laughs> pretty much aside from what we just said we're buying sustainably so secondhand and vintage or from like sustainable retailers or swapping with friends like just trying to find new ways i have always loved charity shopping because you know i never had much money to buy clothes so it was how i originally bought clothes and then i've kind of been like well why would i stop doing that and there is an area of london that is not well there's lots of areas of london to buy secondhand clothes like obviously like shoreditch being one of them but it's very busy and the prices are quite high because a lot of people go there. In search of things, but I found an area where that is not the case, and it is around Pimlico. It's halfway in between Pimlico and Victoria. There's this little kind of row within half a mile radius of about seven different charity shops and vintage shops. They're so quiet, and the clothes selection in there is really, really, really great because it's quite a posh area of London, so a lot of rich people donate, Mm -hmm. which is what you want in your charity shops. And I just love going there to browse. It's one of my favourite activities, so yeah. I feel like we should also shout out the beer mile. Yes, Bermondsey Beer Mile. Yeah, which is actually two miles worth of like um breweries. In, yeah, like independent breweries and you can literally like walk down and like hop from hop from like brewery to, to brewery. brewery. Drink I would recommend beer, drink cider if you want to do the full beer mile only have a third or a half in each one, otherwise you will die by the end. You cannot do it otherwise. Yeah, but that's good, lovely fun. There's your London recommendations. Sorry if you had to skip through this, but if you're ever coming to London, I feel like this is the kind of thing that people will go back and listen to. Like, we hope so. Yeah. So thank you so much for that question, Katie. That was an awesome question. It really was. I loved doing that. I loved thinking about that. I loved thinking about that. It made me want to go back to places, which is what I want to do. So thank you, Katie. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode. Yep. We'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To find us on social media, search at Goblet of Wine Pod on Twitter or at Goblet of Wine Podcast on Instagram. We also have a website over at www.gobletofwine.co.uk where you can keep up with everything that we do. This podcast is produced by our wonderful Hufflepuff tier patrons. Katie, Veronica, Mark, Danny, Amanda, Sandra and Nathan.